Matthew 9, verse 10 to 14. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Hey, connected, awesomeness, creations of God. (laughs) How are you? What you been doing with your life since we last hung out? Which, look, it it was just a bit over a week. But all I can say, it was a busy week. Oh, I've been going to bed so late and just random stuff. Anyway, one more week and we are going back to structure and routine. One more week and school goes back and I go back to work. The girls go back to school and so, yeah, it won't be so many outings and spontaneous adventures with people. So today I wanted to talk about hanging out with Mary or hanging out with sinners, however we want to go about this. And the reason why this message feels like it's a little bit fresh, it's like straight out of the oven, is because I've been having a few conversations with different people about the community service that um, we're kind of doing in our area. And um, I guess the different the different perspectives that people have about outreach and um, how people feel like get involved and lack of involvement. Like there's just so many, so many areas that I could talk about with regards to specifically community service. And one of the conversations that I was having with um, a lady who, when we kind of were talking you know, she's quite passionate about community service. And so we've kind of both resonated with just the power that community service can have on our, like, sphere of influence. Like, on our local community, there is so much potential that we could tap into in just serving the people around us. And one thing that's kind of really stuck with me at the moment, very specific to this conversation, is that there is a trap that I fell into and that I believe there are many Adventists who fall into, that we make um, our existence about hanging out with Adventists. And so any spare time that we have, we hang out with Adventists. And don't get me wrong, because guess what I did this afternoon? I hung out with Adventists. <laughs> guess what I did during the week? I hung out with Adventists. So I'm not saying don't hang out with Adventists, but I do want to really encourage you to kind of hey, consider, if I was to sit with a piece of paper and write down, how many non-Adventists I hang out with, what would that look like? If I was to write down every name of the people that aren't Adventist, that aren't vegetarian, that smoke, that drink, that maybe cuss a little, that 
work on sat like if we were to sit down and try and find how many people are the complete opposite to us that we intentionally engage in building connection relationship with how many people could you write down how many people would be on your list if you sat down and looked at hey what do i do with my spare time and how do i spend it who is involved in those activities who do you reach out to there is there comes a point and in the the passage that i shared and i'm really careful not to say like oh go out and hang out with sinners as though we're not sinners so that's one i guess clarification that i really want to make i totally understand we're all sinners and so this is not about oh but i'm not a sinner like them so let me go and be the righteous one who you know the holy one who goes and sits with them and you know makes themselves <laughs> make it be very clear that you're the holy one um in that whole space that's not what i'm trying to say and i don't think that's what the passage is trying to say either but rather hey when we look look at the pharisees when we have a look at how they lived their life and what their life looked like and if we were to sit down and write down who the pharisees hung out with how different would the pharisees list look to our list yeah ouch like the pharisees were too good to hang out with anyone who was different to them and different to them not just in oh we look different or um you like different interest no it was literally the reason why they did not hang out with people different to them was on the basis of their spiritual beliefs based on the faith of the pharisees that gave them permission to discriminate to marginalize and to isolate people who actually had a deep desire to know Jesus to get to know God to repent to follow Jesus and to be baptized and i think when we have a look at the culture of the people that we hang around with the culture of our local church the culture of our community there is In the community that I'm in right now, sorry, I'm, I'm a little sleep deprived. I slept four hours last night, but anyway, so I may yawn a few times. But it's not because I don't want to hang out with you and it's not because I'm bored. It's just now that I'm in chill mode, just hanging out, my body's decided, hey, the next transition from here is sleep. Um, but, okay, so... Oh no, I lost my Okay, in this community right here, it's so it's such an alternative community. Like we have Hare Krishnas, we have Muslims, we have like a whole bunch of hippies. We have like there's just so much going on in this town, city, whatever you want to call it, Mawulamba. There is so much going on. Oh, that Honestly, I'm like, wow, we can find points of similarity, points of connection on with so many things, with so many things. Obviously, health message primarily, 
Um, but there's just so many other areas that I really looked into. I'm like natural living, um, agriculture, um, like end time preparation, like standalone, you know, houses and um, self-sufficient and all that kind of stuff. There's just so much that I'm like, who can't we? connect with like it's literally more of a question of who can't we connect and why rather than oh who could we actually connect with okay oh this is gonna be my last yawn i really need to start recording earlier but anyway um so what i was really trying to reflect on and i think within adventism we have we fall and i don't like to trash talk other denominations but I'm just going to make this point and it's not to trash talk but rather hey this is this is one um I was say one direction and I was thinking of the band uh, this is one way <laughs> that some people relate to people outside of the faith Jehovah Witnesses are like you either believe our truth or we do not sit with you we do not talk to you we don't associate with you. And I know there is a shift within um, the Jehovah Witnesses that they are shifting towards a more balanced perspective of how to interact and engage with people that don't have the same faith and, you know, loved ones who have decided that they don't want to be part of the faith and, you know, classified backslidden or prodigals. Um, so there's definitely a shift and, and things are different. But I think Adventism... Oh, it kind of felt a little bit like that's what we did and not with condemnation, which is a massive difference between I'm not going to hang out with you because you're evil and have chosen to be wicked. But rather, I believe that there has been a pattern within Adventism that we just didn't want to be uncomfortable. And so some people are like, well, I don't want to go and hang out with those secular friends because you know I don't want to have to tell them that I don't drink or that I don't smoke or that I'm not going to go to the club or whatever your conviction is yeah I'm like I don't we never I don't, okay let me not let me never and let, let me not we I believe I've I don't think I've let me let me really think about this before I say it I've never separated myself from people who don't have similar values and belief systems as me for any reason that was supposed to be condemning them or to be judgmental of them, but rather it was just, it was easier and more comfortable to just hang out with the Sevies. Like, it was just so much easier, just a lot smoother for multiple reasons. You know, you didn't have to be the one that had to bring the awkward vegetarian dish to the dinner because you knew everything was going to be stuff that you couldn't eat. And um, it's just out of convenience that I think I did. And there are some Adventists who just hang out with their own kind because it's just smoother. It's more convenient. It's not because we're too good, which was what the Pharisees, the Pharisees were just, it, it was 110% condemnation on anyone that was slightly different to them. And so I've been doing some work with um, my local church. Oh, it's so awkward calling Mawulamba my local church, but we'll get there. 
I literally had to go into town today um, and I'm like, all right, girls, we're going to go to Jin Jin. And I'm like, I mean, more wool and bar, like, oh, anyway, it's taking a while. We'll see at what point my mind will actually naturally flow with Mawulamba. But anyway, I'm helping out at um, my local church with the soup kitchen. And that ministry, like, I just love that ministry. Soup kitchen, food pantry, those kind of ministries are my favorite. Um, Yeah. And Jin Jin had, like, just such a powerful health ministry and community service ministry that honestly I I wish every church was like Jinjin Church when it came to outreach in that way. Using the health message as the entering wedge and using Christ's method to reach the multitudes. Like I'm just like Guys, you you guys are set. Like they just they were just so so dedicated and and just believed in those two ministries, with all their hearts. Um. And there is one thing that I have learned that. Through the soup kitchen, through the soup kitchen ministry, and even through the food pantry ministry, and then through the min, through. Oh, so sorry. Through um, the contacts that we had in Bundaberg. So when we did Bible working in Bundaberg, just like the people that God brought to us were um, all struggling with substance abuse. They all had really traumatic past. There was a lot of pain, a lot of pain and um, a lot of things that that, um, the different contacts and friends that we had had just overcome. Like you're just like, wow, how are you still alive? Um, and so as I've, as I've been able to be friends with people with, with those kind of stories and on those kind of journeys, I've realized that it is a privilege and a blessing and an honor for me to be part of their lives because it has honestly given me a much deeper appreciation for the health message for temperance, for self-control, for gentleness and kindness and all those fruits of the spirit that help us to stay on track, to help us to not drift to the left or to the right, to stay on the narrow road because I've seen the impact. And when I see my daughters ministering and serving to people who are literally high on drugs, that are drunk out of their mind, that are weeping and crying because of circumstances that they're going through. When my girls are able to be there for those people, I know deep down inside the girls have seen a level of suffering that not many savvy kids have seen. They've seen the impact of sin that not many savvy kids have seen. They've been able to minister to people through however God uses them that not many savvy kids have done. And I believe that community service in its full essence is so much more profound than just, oh, we're, we're doing better than them, so we'll go give them a hand and help them out. 
Honestly, I will tell you that I have been blessed by the generosity, the kindness, the thoughtfulness of people that have been struggling to the point where it is uncomfortably convicting. Just the other day, we had a gentleman who's been coming, not so regular. Um, He comes and because everyone knows that our soup kitchen is vegetarian and it's primarily vegan, to be honest. Um, But because they know it's all vegetarian options, we've had people that have come in and they'd be like, oh... Um, is this, are you providing soup, food today? And we'll say yes. And they'll be like, is it vegetarian? We're like, yes. They're like, great. We've just, we've built a community of people who come to us because it's vegetarian food. And then I'm sure there's people that don't come because it's not vegetarian. And that's fine. To be totally honest, there are plenty of services that provide a ton of food for people who aren't vegetarian. So to be able to be that service for those who are like, wow, every other service just provides meat options. Like that's what God has called us for. The conversations that we've been able to have with people about why we're a vegetarian soup kitchen. Just amazing. Like just God inspired, God ordained, God initiated. Um, <clears throat> so we've been able to talk to people about that. We've had conversations about the state of the dead and... Um, how, you know, the whole concept of hell is actually so, like, opposite to God's character. It's, like, black and white. Um, We've been able to be there for people just to give them a lift home because they don't have a car and they had to walk back home in the rain if we weren't able to give them a lift and how thankful they were for that. Um, I've been there for women who have showed up after they've just been beat the night before because um, they were drunk. And a guy said that they would take them home and they could have somewhere to sleep and ended up getting abused. And, you know, th- there's, 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 a, there's a depth of hurt and pain that I have been able to minister that honestly it has given me a greater desire for Jesus' second coming. When I see how sin is impacting these particular people's lives, I can't help but yearn for heaven. And I think within Adventism, the more that we're able to do that, the more that we're able to realize, hey, you know, when Jesus said, I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, he's saying, I don't want the rituals. Like, I desire more for you to reflect my character of mercy than to go to church on Sabbath. And don't don't think that I'm trying to say don't go to church. Like church is part of service. If we're active, if we're involved, and if we're intentional about serving. Otherwise, we're just going to church to warm the pew, to get fed so that we can keep going for the week ahead and still call ourselves sevy or whatever it is that, that church provides for us. Um, when we're not intentional about also desiring to serve um, during those, um, yeah, church hours. But I will say that there comes a point where you could do the rituals and you can do the church routine all you want and still lack mercy still not have compassion, still not have, have a desire to serve those in need. 
And I think we're going to miss a big chunk of understanding God's goodness, of seeing his character, and also of understanding just how horrific sin sin is when we're not sitting with people who have experienced on a level that maybe we never have. And when Jesus was so intentional about sitting with the tax collectors, with the prostitute, with the sinners, he was so intentional about his presence being there for healing. Like he literally gave the example in the passage that I read of like, like healthy people don't need a doctor. And when we sit in the church and think we have it all together and think that that's all that being a Christian is about, is making sure that we've got it all together and not seeking out the lost, then trust me, we've just become like Laodicea. We think we have everything. We think we've got it all together. And God's looking at us. He's like, you're miserable, miserable, blind, and wretched. That's what you are to me. When you think you've got it all together, when you think going, showing up for Sabbath school at 9.30, partaking in the Sabbath school lesson because you studied or you didn't study, or just sitting there because that's what you're supposed to do, and then sitting for the sermon because that's what you're supposed to do, and then going home and thinking that's, that's the extent of being a follower of Jesus. That's all that faith has to offer us. Yeah, we really have to reflect on that and be honest with ourselves and be sincere with ourselves. Could there possibly be more? Could there be something that's more fulfilling than just sitting on a pure church? Yeah. And I will tell you that as I have sat with people from our community who are doing it really, really rough, doing really rough, struggling and going through hardships that honestly I sit and look at them and I think to myself Catalina if you had have gone through everything that they've gone through would you still be able to laugh like they laugh joke like they joke care for others like they care for others others like oh to be totally honest I don't know I don't know I'd rather be honest with you than give you the answer that I think I should be saying, with, which is, yes, of course, I'll still love like Jesus, even though I was molested for multiple years by my stepdad because my mum was on drugs and abandoned us. Like, I wish I could say that. But I don't think I can. I don't think I can. But have they ministered to me? Have they opened my eyes to see so much more, to see beauty and resilience, to see like people being survivors and conquerors and continuing to show up considering they've got a background that has been so, so mean to them. Seeing them still shine and still have joy in their hearts even though they're surrounded by the darkness of their circumstances and their past. There's so much to learn from sitting with sinners. And I don't say that because I claim to have it all together, but yeah, there's a blessing of coming 
and sitting and having a meal or ministering to someone or having a conversation with someone that we don't know and being really intentional about it. Like I know for me, my Woolumbar is such a little town that it's just like Jinjin. Like if you're out there long enough, there are people you're going to meet who are influential, who have a history in the area and um, God has allowed me to have um, a few of those interactions with people. Uh, There's a gentleman in my local um, shopping centre who owns the kebab shop one of the most friendliest men I have ever met. Every time he sees me, he gives me the biggest smile and waves hello. And and I'm always like, good morning, how are you? And, you know, just really enthusiastic. And um, I'm, I meet his energy. Like if he's willing to give me such a smile and then physically greet me by waving his hand at me, I'm like, let me, let me meet that. And if not, let me make him feel even more welcome than what he just made me feel welcomed. There are people that I talk in the shopping center. Like there's people that I bump into who we know from different things. There's just so many situations where I'm slowly starting to have more interactions with community members. Um, Just through the soup kitchen, I'm able to speak with um, a lady from the community center. And so we're building a rapport there and um, we're working together and collaborating um, our soup kitchen runs before another meeting that meetings that are run by the council. So I've met another person that works in council who's a community um, director. And then there's this other girl who are, like, God's just allowing for me to speak with people. And honestly, trust me, there are days where I'm so exhausted where I just want to be like, hello, and walk away. And some days I have. But other days, even when I'm tired, but I can just feel the conviction of God where God's like, Catalina, please be like Jesus. So I'm like, how was your day? How'd your program go? Did you have many people attend? What activity did you, like, I go out of my way to engage more with that person than us just crossing paths while we exchange keys and they pack up and we said, like, there's just so many ways that we can be intentional about engaging with those who don't have the same faith as ours with the person that you see at the checkout every week because you go at the same time and they have the same shift or um, the person that you walk past at the coffee shop or you know there are so many people that God allows us to see regularly that we could have so much more of an impact on them it doesn't have to be giving them a tract. That's another thing. I was talking to another person. I was saying, you know, with evangelism, when we look at um, Ministry of Healing quote about Christ's method alone, I'm like, we literally do it back to front. We tell people to follow Jesus before they can even trust us. We plan evangelistic series, and don't get me wrong, I believe in evangelistic series, and I have seen the fruit of evangelistic series, so I'm not knocking evangelism. But what I am saying, hey, you know what? Jesus method. (laughs) And you know what? I have seen people who have done Jesus method and used an evangelistic series as an opportunity to invite people to follow Jesus. That is done correctly. But when we're in a community who doesn't even know us, has no idea about Seventh-day Adventists, apart from what they Google, and that isn't very nice, I'm like, you know what, like good luck trying to get people to come that haven't had a direct interaction with someone that is Adventist. Like good luck getting a decent turnout just from the letter boxes that you put in someone's letter 
letterbox who doesn't even know you. And they're literally going to Google us and they're going to find out all the horrible stuff that people say about us. And then you expect them to show up for your evangelistic series, for your 500-seat hall. No, like, there's more of a work that we can do. Um, someone was sharing a quote about how um, it is in our power to do all that we can. All that we can. And then let God do the impossible. It is in our power to build a good name for the Seventh-day Adventist Church through the community service projects that we could do. That is completely in our power. Anyone could do that. Anyone who's smart about marketing could do that. Like, you don't need no Holy Spirit to do that well. We can do that. But what we can do is that the Holy Spirit can work on resistance that we can't change. The Holy Spirit can soften the hearts that we can't. But God can still use us to soften hearts before we need the impossible to be done. The way that I have seen some people turn to Christ just because we paid attention to them, because we took them a plate of food, because we helped them out. Like the way that I have seen hearts soften by doing the impossible, by doing the possible can only reassure me that when God steps in and does the impossible, like it's a done deal. But so many of us will be like, yes, let me invite that coworker that I've never even sat down with for dinner or a break or a lunch or, you know, we just walk past each other, but I don't actually say much to them apart hi, how are you? And then walk away. Let me invite them to evangelistic series. Legit, do that. Like, do that. That's better than nothing. But to give true success... If you had followed Christ's blueprint, it would have been perfect. You would have done the work of softening the ground, helping them to be in a position where they desire to know more about what is part of your life and your faith. And I can guarantee you the message would be received very differently. Very differently. And I trust, I remember there was a time where we were doing so much community stuff in Jinjin. And I'm like, God, where are the baptisms? Like, I'm like, man, if I was employed by the conference, I'd be fired. I'm like, maybe that's why I don't work for the conference. <laughs> they know my, um, my baptismal rates are horrible. Um, but you know what? I, I sat on that and I'm like, God, Why? And I remember really getting quite discouraged and really upset. And I remember getting to a point where I'm like, I just, I'm like, God, I'm putting everything that I have, like I'm putting all my energy, all my time. I'm dragging my kids around to like this community event and this function and that. And they're helping me to like set up and, and, and pack up and clean and prep. And I'm like, I'm dragging the girls around to all these things. I'm like, for what? And I remember God saying to me, Catalina, I just need you to be faithful. Just because you're doing the work doesn't mean you'll see the harvest now. You might not even be able to do the reaping. But the seeds that you're planting, someone needs to do it and you're doing the work that is most important. Planting the seeds and softening the soil. It's like, because without your work, no one will reap anything. 
without your work, no one will harvest. And I, and that just gave me the biggest assurance. I, I remember saying to God, when he gave me that clarity of understanding, I'm like, God, I'll be totally okay if no one ever gets baptized because of the work that you guided me to do and that you impressed me to do. I'm totally okay if I don't ever hear of one baptism because of what I was trying to follow and what I was trying to be faithful about. But yeah, I know that I know that I know that the work that God allowed me to do was crucial and was essential for there to be any harvest. But one thing I will say is, you know, the other conviction that God gave me when I started really getting into community service and, and just became really passionate about it was I remember God convicting me and he's like, Catalina, I need you to shine your light. But while you're always with Adventists, your light will always shine the same as others. And he's like, the only way for your light to shine is for you to be amongst the darkness. And I was like, wow. He's like, I gave you a light to shine in the darkness, not to shine with everyone else. And that just, I couldn't help but just hang out with non-Adventists like from there on it was just so clear for me and I was having a conversation with someone and, and I kind of it was the first time I met them but we started talking about community service and um kind of like this particular person said you know the bible worker mentality and um and I said to them I'm like you know what like I, I totally get that but at the same time I'm like I just hate hanging out with Adventists like and not because I don't like Adventists, because I always think to myself, I'm like, if I'm investing three hours to hang out with people who know Jesus, I'm like, what could I be doing if I hung out three hours with people who don't know Jesus? How could God use me in those three hours? to? And, and don't get me wrong, I believe that within Adventism, you know, God uses us all to minister to each other. And, and there's there's a blessing that comes from um meeting together and praying together and studying together and having lunch together and you know I went out to um, a creek today with some Adventist friends and, and there was a blessing in spending time with them so please don't get me wrong I'm not trying to say don't hang out with Adventists but I'm always torn when there's an opportunity that I could have invited someone who wasn't Adventist there's always that heaviness of heart because I'm like Catalina could you have could you have spent this time with people who didn't know Jesus since my schedule is so tight and my time is so limited, I'm like, I'm always like, God, if I have to pick between having a two-hour conversation with an Adventist or a two-hour conversation with a non-Adventist, guess who I prefer to have that conversation? And not because I don't like the, the Adventist or anything like that, but I'm just like, I don't have a lot of time. Please let me be used in a way to help bring people to Jesus. There was... um. So we had a um op- so we have staff meetings this week before school starts and so we're pretty much you know um being presented on you know the direction of the school the purpose of the school the vision of the school and um different things and uh, on Monday we had a presentation on finishing the work and what does that mean practically what does that look like what what do, when we say finishing the work what is that and there were some figures that were put out and I'm just gonna I actually took a screenshot because I was like wow Lord like Lord help us I'm like please send that Holy Spirit because without you guess what we ain't never going home. So 
There are 7.7 billion people in the world. 31% profess to be Christian, which is the lowest percentage we have had of professed Christianity in history. That means, get ready for this, out of 7.7 billion people, there is 5,313,000,000 people to be reached for Jesus. When we have a look at the Great Commission and when we, are, when we are told that this gospel has to go to all the world, then the end will come. I'm like, God, when are we going home? Is there, if there are still 5 billion people that we need to reach with your gospel? Like, I know not everyone's going to accept Jesus. I get it. But I'm like, there's a lot of people who either don't know about Jesus, don't know the truth about Jesus and maybe haven't made a decision for Jesus. Like there's a lot of people out of those 5 billion people, like how many of them have have straight out completely said no to God, knowing complete truth of who he was, knowing the fullness and the truth of his character and still choosing to say no. I don't know how many people that that would be. I don't know what percentage of those 5 billion are represented for, by people who have chosen to just be wicked. Because they're just like, I love, I love who God is, great. Everything about the gospel is beautiful and stunning, but I choose sin. I don't know. But I'm like, there's a lot of work to be done. And the only way we can do that is by being active about putting our light in darkness, not just doing the sevy thing and hanging out with sevies all the time. There are people that visit our churches, Lord help us, visitors who are just, for whatever reason, God has brought them to our churches. And guess who we sit with at Potluck? The Adventists. And guess who we intentionally save seats for? The Adventists. And guess who we make sure to greet at the other side of the church? The Adventists. And there are many of us, and I'm included in this. There have been weeks where I'm like, wow, well, I, the only people I chatted to at church were Adventists. But anyway, I'm going to make an excuse for myself, only because I don't really know people very well in Mwollomba, so I don't know who's a visitor. And I made the mistake of welcoming a person and saying that they were a visitor, and they're like, oh, we've been here for 38 years. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I just felt like welcoming you, did not realizing, you know, anyway. Um, anyway, I kind of worded it wrong when I greeted them, but anyway, whatever, moving on. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, that's why I'm probably not as attentive and intentional about making sure, oh, making sure that I say hello to the visitors because half the time I don't actually know who's a visitor and who's, it's just the church is too big. But there are people who do and, and, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are people in Mwollomba and at, at your church as well and at every church that do go and greet visitors and are very intentional about that. But I will say, from what I have seen in the history of me being an Adventist, Adventists love sitting with Adventists and they could have a visitor right in front of their face and they'll literally get up, move and go sit with an Adventist. That's not going to help the cause. That's not going to help convert the 5,313,000,000 people who still haven't seen the true beauty of God's character and made a decision to be in heaven. That's the reality of it. 
then the only way that this gospel will be preached to all the world is if we take that light of ours and take it to the darkness. Be like Jesus and sit with the sinners and tax collectors and let the Pharisees say whatever they want to say because at the end of the day, guess what you're doing? You're following Jesus' example. All right. So to conclude, um, well, here's my prayer. Wow. Here we go. Here's the signs of my... Anyway, until next week. My prayer, my hope, and my desire. <laughs> it all clicked in. Thank you, Jesus. My prayer, my desire... That you stay warm in God's love. They say, cool for Jesus' name. And may the Holy Spirit tell you to not sit with Adventists. <laughs> Just straight out like that. Not hang out with Adventists. Don't spend time with Adventists. Don't sit with Adventists at church at Potluck. Um, no, but may the Holy Spirit guide you to have a desire to take your light into the darkness. To sit with sinners. To sit with people who still don't know the truth about the goodness of God and that you're able to sit with them and share that with them. May you be like Jesus. May they see Jesus in you. And may you draw them closer to Jesus. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Okay, ciao.